Just family, happy 2024. Okay, man. Let's try that again. I waited an entire year to say that. Come on now. Happy 2024. Let's make a joyful noise. Come on. You know, man, maybe some of us didn't even know we'll make it to 2024. But we are here. Hey, we are here. Hey, guys, let's also, now let's make a bigger noise for the UWF men's basketball team. Come on, guys. Hey, we're cheering for you. We're cheering for you. Long as every home match, you give Brandon 10 free tickets and I can sell them, we'll be all right, okay? So we'll pray for you. So thank you so much for you men for being here, for representing uh, the school uh, in our city, and uh, we are rooting for you, okay? We are rooting for you. Okay, let's show them some love. Let's show them some love. Brandon, thank you for your ministry on the campus. Grateful for you, my brother. Jesus, yes. Church, no. That was a very popular slogan among the young people in the 1960s. Sadly, that would have been said about the church in Corinth in AD 56. How did this happen, you may ask? Well, the members of the church permitted the sins of the city to get into the local church body. Corinth was an influential yet proud philosophical and polluted city filled with every kind of vice and worldly pleasure. Listen to this. About the lowest accusation you could make against someone in that day would be to call that person a Corinthian. And people would know what you were talking about. For us to learn more of what Corinth was like, read Romans chapter 1, verse number 18 to 31. Paul calls this small uh, passage of scripture, God's wrath for the unrighteousness. Do you know where Paul wrote that letter from? He wrote it from Corinth. Most possibly, he looked outside the window and what he saw is what he wrote. Of course, when proud people depend on human wisdom and adopt the lifestyle of the world, listen church, problems always follow. And in order to help the church solve their problems, the Apostle Paul opened this letter by reminding them of their calling in Christ. So on this first Sunday of 2024, I just want to remind you of your calling in Christ. Paul addresses a church that like many in our day today is both deeply flawed yet also greatly loved. You may ask me the question, Sean, why are we starting the new year talking about the church of Corinth like our church is like that church? I'm talking about the church, because a healthy and mobilized church is the hope of the world. A healthy and mobilized church is the hope of the world. And if we bring the worldly patterns into the body of the church, it's no telling who's the church and who's the world. 
And when we bring the world into the church, we leave our mission and we fix problems. Because we are on mission, the Great Commission, we are to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ so that we can carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to our neighbors and the nations. We do this very well when groups of people get together like Pastor Harlan has talked about. We use our gifts and our resources to make a bigger difference. How many of you on TV watched the Jim Beam commercial? They were singing the song, Sweet Caroline. How many of you saw that commercial? And you saw everyone walking to that pub, got together and started singing Sweet Caroline. And when you, uh, when you finish the commercial, there's a caption that says, people are good for you. You saw that? I was watching that and I asked myself the question, how did Jim Beam make a better commercial about community than the church? People are good for you. People make you better. Well, you have a list of people running through your mind. Yes, I know they're annoying, but annoying people make us better. But chances are you are annoying too. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 3. So I'll read verse number 1 to verse number 5. If you have a copy of God's word. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 1 to verse number 5. And this is what the word of God reads. And when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech and wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul is saying, I'm walking to the most intellectual, sophisticated, philosophical city, wealthy, which is a seaport, a big influence of the world. I'm just bringing Jesus to you. Because Jesus will make all the difference in your life. Now when he says in verse number 3, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Do you know how Paul got to Corinth? And when did he get to Corinth? Let me read to you Paul's itinerary on his travel to Corinth. Paul came to Corinth after being beaten and imprisoned in Philippi. Run out of Thessalonica and Berea, and scoffed at in Athens, he landed in Corinth to tell someone, Jesus loves you. Now don't get super spiritual. If you put me in jail, and if, you, and if you're running me out of cities, I'm like, you know what, I'll worship Jesus secretly. But the apostle Paul went to every length to the most influential city in that region. He knew what he was coming up against. He knew what he was coming up against every day. He didn't take with him anything else. He didn't take with him a morality uh, lesson. He took Jesus. Because he didn't want to make bad people good. He wanted to make dead people alive. And so Paul brings Jesus into the city. But I have some good news for you. The confidence that we can grow in holiness rests not in ourselves. 
Can I get an amen? You and I are called to live a life of holiness, and you and I don't have the capacity in our humanness to be like Jesus. Every year I read the book, The Pursuit of Holiness by Jerry Bridges. And every time I read that book, I look at myself so flawed and so far away from Jesus. Jesus helps us to become more like him. But as John said, Jesus came to take us home. So we grow in holiness because we rest on the faithfulness of God. We rest on the work of his son, Jesus Christ. So Christ can be realized only by the supply of and the dependence upon gospel provisions. So this morning, gospel provisions. What does the gospel bring to you and I today? It's a new year. We have the same old church. It's a new year. We have the same people around us. It's a new year. We have the same Jesus. I'm asking you today, it's a new year. Can we have some new obedience? The dependence on God's provisions is not a temporary stage in our development spiritually. For the gospel is a gracious gift by which we begin our Christian life and the source of ongoing power in our Christian life. What I'm trying to say is you need the gospel of Jesus Christ every day of our lives. Every day I preach the gospel to myself. It's like I'm leading myself to the Lord every day because I need to be reminded it's not what I know how to live my life, it's who I know is helping me to live my life. Father, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross in my place instead of me, in place of me, so that I can be having a right relationship with you, creating me a clean heart to God. Renew in me a steadfast spirit. Cast me not away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Restore the joy of your salvation in my life every day. Because when you and I forget who Jesus is and what he has done on the cross, we live a life in spirituality of good works. And good works does not add up. Because I am afraid that the gospel message has become too comfortable and we made it so simplified that it's losing its supremacy. So in this 2024 first Sunday, the truth about Jesus and him crucified is therefore not a basic teaching to leave behind on our spiritual journey. It is a lens through which we view every part of our life. You want to view your marriage? View it through the lens of Jesus. You want to look at the community? View it through the lens of Jesus. Use the gospel lens. And Paul said, when I came to you, I did not come with, you, with, with sophisticated knowledge. I came to you with Jesus and him crucified. In verse number two. Jesus and him crucified. This is a pretty cool toy, right? I don't know how to use it. But anyway, <clears throat> this Christmas, I decided to get Deshni a camera. By the way, Destiny and Emmy are in church. Praise God. So if a baby is screaming, yeah, just don't complain. That's our child. Okay. <laughs> so, so I asked the communication team, hey, help me find a camera for Destiny. So they found a camera, and they told me the price. 
This part. This part? This part is a mortgage right here. You know what I'm saying? But what this camera does is if you zoom somewhere, focus, and you zoom it in, you have a clear view of what's going on, and you get a better picture. I'm asking you today in 2024, put on your Jesus lens, and when you look at the cross, you can truly say, when I survey the wondrous cross, oh my, on which the Prince of Glory died. I'm not asking you to put your lens and say, what a terrible yard our neighbor has. I can't believe they call themselves Christians. Is that water or is that, is that vodka? <laughs> Paul is asking the church in Corinth to put on the Jesus lens. So help me give you two lenses for this new year, and you can use it in your community. Lens number one is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. In verse number two, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ. Except Jesus Christ. And the first thing you ask, who is Jesus? Jesus is God's son. Is God's son. I asked a couple of people yesterday and today, that's the answer they gave me. When I was in New York, that was not the answer that they gave me which I can't repeat from this platform what they said. But Jesus is God's son. Now he said, I'm bringing to you Jesus. And when I look at Jesus of the various attributes he has, I was very intrigued, blessed by it. But when I looked at Jesus and his, and his relationship with the Father, I'm like, I want that. I want that. And one of the reasons we miss drinking more deeply of God's love is that we forget to think of God as our Father. Amen? We may know it's true because we've read our Bibles, but our intuitions still imagine that God is some distant figure and is very mad at us. He's not. He's very close and he's very loving. This merely isn't a shortcoming in our thinking. It's a tragic distortion of our view of God. God is near, He is for you. Religion says, I made a mistake, my daddy is gonna kill me. <laughs> Relationship says, I made a mistake, I can't wait to run to my dad. Big difference. And every time I see Jesus, because Jesus loves spending time with his father, you see again, that's community. Jesus loved spending time with his father. Every time Jesus went to his father, he went in as a lamb, he came out as a lion. Amen? He went in as a lamb, came out as a lion. How about the disciples gathered around? A father brought a son that's demon-possessed. The father said, disciples, well, Jesus was praying up the mountain. Disciples, please cast this demon out. Disciples trying the lofty speech because they were in the posse of Jesus. Couldn't do it. Jesus shows up. Like a lion said, how long should I be with you? And he cast the demon out. Later on, he said, these things come with fasting and prayer. Do you know? Do you know in the city that we're living, if you got Jesus, you can live for Jesus in a sinful city. 
You can live for Jesus. Why? Because whenever you go and spend time with the Father, you are empowered. You go and pray and spend time with God, our Father. So being with Jesus empowers you to live a life in the marketplace for Jesus. For Jesus. Because in the Bible, Father isn't just a nick, random nickname of God. It is who our God is. He is our Father. And if you're living in challenging times, Paul said, I'm bringing to you Jesus. Because when Jesus goes to the Father, he is full of power. And when you have that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, you will be victorious. Well, not all of us have fathers who loved and protected us. For many, the word father is a pain, not a comfort. God sees his pain, and he is the perfect father, the one our hearts were made to know. Dads, if you are here, it is easy to love Jesus if he was your son, right? Imagine having Jesus who is your son. I mean, yes, yes, Jesus is not practicing three-point shots, my guys. Jesus is casting out demons. Jesus is raising the dead. He's healing the blind. I'd like to be Jesus' daddy. I'm like, yeah, that's my boy. Yeah, another, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wouldn't talk public about it, but when he comes home, he lets us know that's what he did. And you think, well, God the Father really loved Jesus because Jesus is the Son of God. Here's the truth. Ready for this? If you know Jesus, God the Father loves you just the same way as he loves Jesus. Let me tell it again. God the Father loves you the very same way he loves Jesus. Because when you come to know his son, Jesus Christ, all our sins are washed white as snow. So when you look at us, he doesn't look at us as people living in sin. He looks at us as people blood washed by the Lamb of God. We are loved people. We are loved people. Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 17, the voice from heaven after the baptism said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is good news in person. That's who Jesus is. I want you to know, my friends, that you are loved by Jesus. And I, no matter how sinful a city of Corinth can be, and how so much of philosophy is coming and, uh, coming and getting into our homes, I want you to know that Jesus loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. And Paul says, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I just brought Jesus because I believe Jesus is everything we need. Do you know why I'm in reminding us of the love of Jesus? Of the love of the Father for us? Because this is what unloved people do. When you are loved, you want to be around community. When you are unloved, and when the enemy lies to you that you are not loved, then you feel isolated. Then you feel that you are drifting then you feel you have spiritual contentment which leads to lukewarmness. We choose religion which over relationship because leading to spiritual immaturity which we are still capable of living like people in the flesh. You know, you know that? 
we are very still capable of living like people in the flesh. And Paul says, look at all the problems you're going through. I'm here to tell you, loved people are loving people. Loved people are loving people. And if you come to Jesus, you'll experience his love. And when you know that you are loved, doesn't matter whatever happens outside in the city center of Corinth, you will carry the love of Jesus. By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now let me tell you, if you don't have one another, the community that Alan is talking about, you are alone to love the city by yourself. That's a lonely place. That's a lot of love. I can't do it. I need people to come alongside me so we can go and love big. Just in the month of September, uh, sorry, the month of December, let me highlight what various communities and various connection groups have done at Olive. Just a few. John Tyner led a music team that did a Christmas concert, and they did six services on Christmas Eve. That's why he's an Iron Man, okay? But check this out. How many of you remember keep the, uh, uh, keep the lights on? The keep the lights on. Christmas Eve, keep the lights on. Remember all the kids brought the monies? This is what you were a part of. Listen to this. I quote, I wanted to express my gratitude to you, Olive Baptist Church and Ministry Village, for assisting me with my FPL payment. I am very thankful for your help during this unexpected and difficult time. I am blessed to call Olive my family. You know all the money we give the kids? Why? Because we are loved people, we become loving people. Sean Cook, if he's in the house, Sean Cook led some teams to, to get our staff involved and went to uh, Federal Pass Elementary School and they have an angel tree program and families had Christmas gifts because of the generosity of our church. Remember for the Christmas concert, we took a collection, we bought washer and dryers for the schools. You are a part of that. You see, when we, we feel loved, we want to love people. Serve teams. Serve teams are serving at every event in December. Whether you're out parking cars, whether you have serving coffee, or whatever you're doing, you are serving people as ushers, as security, whatever you're doing. You're doing it because loved people are loving people. I was walking in the hallway, I saw Pastor Tim Hunter and his D group. They all have big uh, gifts and toys. Your D group put your monies together and chose families to bless them. Why? Loved people are loving people. The generosity of our church. Why do we have? We are so blessed. Why? Loved people are loving people. Mike Dimmick on the military base. So many uh, students, some of them had an opportunity to fly home, but they had no transportation from the base to the airport. So he took a couple of the olive buses, transported them. Why? Loved people are loving people. We have a church plant in Wyoming. We got to love on the family. Why? Loved people are loving people. Do you know this? The IMB kids all over Europe, all the kids got together in London for a program, and we sponsored a big part of the event. Why? Loved people are loving people. Today, we have Nate Skelly and Josh Skelly. You in a house somewhere? Shout out, amen. Here we are, Nate Skelly. Just give him a round of applause coming back. One of our day. Come on, let's make him welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Nate and Josh 
as you go to plant a church in Tampa, preach the gospel. The gospel has no expiration date. It never loses its power. Plant a church that thrives and not just survives. And why? So one of our connection groups are going to partner with you, and our church want to partner with you so that you'll know loved people are loving people. I wish Paul can bring something better to Corinth. He brought Jesus. I'm asking you today in 2024, get together with a couple of friends, get together, meet together, get in a connection group, and guess what? Say he's not. We are loved people. He starts to becoming loving people. So the first lens that Paul brings to Corinth of all the problems that they're having is bringing the gospel lens of Jesus Christ. But in verse number two, doesn't end there. He says, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And him crucified. The second lens I want to point to you is Jesus crucified. If you look at Jesus, the first lens, who is he? He's the son of God. And the second lens is Jesus crucified. What he's done? That's right. He's conquered sin and death. He's conquered sin and death. You look at verse number 18. This is what the people in Corinth are saying. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being served, it is the power of God. So Corinth, the preaching of the cross was, was so dominant in the early church that the believers were accused of worshiping a dead man. So the Corinthians, with all the philosophy, says, you should not be gathering in a church. Jesus is dead. Because to the human mind, it seems foolishness to hope that we could be saved through the cross of Christ with its associations of weakness and shame. I got news for you. The cross of Jesus Christ is not weakness and shame, but the cross of Jesus Christ brings God's wisdom. It brings God's power. It brings God's glory. It brings God's sovereignty. And it brings God's sacrificial love, the cross of Jesus. I'm afraid, my brothers and sisters, that the cross has become such a simple gospel story that often we forsake its supremacy. True maturity in the gospel will take us deeper in gospel community when we look at Christ crucified. And I'm just telling you guys, ask the Spirit of God to give you the power to look at the cross of Christ again. The aching, the pain, the betrayal that Jesus suffered for us. Take a closer look. Take a closer look. Your spiritual walk is not, yes, I'm saved, now I've got to live. No, yes, I'm saved and daily Daily, I'm digging, diver into, uh, digging deeper into who Jesus is because the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us the assurance that our sins are forgiven. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8, but God shows his love for us in this, that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Who's reminding you of that every day if you're not in community? Who's reminding you if you don't have some friends that's caring for you? Who's reminding you when you are just isolated and all alone? Who's checking up on you? Who's got your back? 
That's why community is so important. You get to live the gospel in community and then you take it to the ends of the earth. When I look at Jesus, loved people are loving people. Amen? When I look at the cross, forgiven people are forgiving people. Forgiven people, can I get a better amen? Are forgiving people. Colossians chapter 3 tells us, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Aren't you glad that you have the capacity to forgive someone? Because you can't do that on your own strength. The Corinthians, with all the philosophy and all the knowledge and all the worldly wisdom, they cannot forgive. Jesus Christ and his work on the cross of Calvary can help you to forgive and to forget. Because why? Jesus died for us, and Jesus says, your sins I remember no more. Praise Jesus that he forgets our sins. He doesn't have a private journal up in heaven somewhere and pull it out every time you show up. As far as the east is from the west, do you have a community to remind you of that? You need one. You need one. The last Wednesday of 2023, our ordinary men gathered in the Corners building to have an evaluation. And I was following an evaluation that one of my leader friends, we shared, and we were doing it together. One of the questions was, on this evaluation, who did you have the best meal with during this year? So who was your best date? Or who, who were you having the best meal for this year? And so everyone was giving some answers, and then a brother stuck his hand. He said, my best meal this year, after many long years, is to have Thanksgiving with my family. I'm like, okay. He says, because of drugs and alcohol, because of addiction, I could not be with my family for many years. But praise God for sobriety, and praise God for a savior. I get to be with my family. And I told that brother, my friend, that was not a thanksgiving table. That was a forgiven table. Who celebrates with you? You need community. And maybe our city is not as bad as Corinth, but I'm telling you guys, we're living in some pretty bad times. And so when you look at this verse, he says, I'm bringing you Christ Remember that he loves you. I'm bringing you the cross. Remember that he has forgiven you. And lest the day comes that we forget who Jesus is and what he has done for us. In your homes, talk about who Jesus is. Talk about what he has done for us. Because I'm, I'm so convinced that the gospel message is not only for evangelism, it is also for discipleship. I am convinced the gospel message is not only for non-believers, it is also for believers. I'm convinced that the gospel message is not only for salvation, it's also for sanctification. Lest we forget the cross of Christ and what he has done for us. So Jesus Christ came to take us home. But while we are here, my brothers, my sisters, while we are here, let us live for Jesus and him crucified. So that we can get together and do great things for God. Not because he can't do it on his own. I am so humbled 
that he, he invites us to be a part of something in the world. He invites us to carry the light of the gospel to a dying world. Because Paul declared the word of God in power, in the power of God, those people put their trust in the living God. And they had a transformational experience. Because if Paul only went to Corinth and he presented a salvation in a philosophical system way, the Corinthians will put their trust in an explanation. You and I don't have an explanation. You and I have a transformational experience. We can only tell about the Jesus we met. We can only tell about the Jesus we experienced. We can only tell about the Jesus we love. I can't tell you a textbook Jesus. I can tell you a personal experience Jesus. And that Jesus, if he was good enough for the Corinthian church, can a big amen. He's good enough for all of Baptist church. 